Hi, you're listening to The Cardigan, a special series from Selfie, focusing on the intersection of psychology and self-care. I'm Kristen, a licensed therapist, a skilled catastrophizer, and mom of four. And I'm Matthias, a licensed therapist, side-eye aficionado, and a dog dad. We're going to be taking your mental health questions, chatting about our own journeys, and looking at psychology in the media. We hope you learned something about yourself, the people you love, and the world of mental health and maybe laugh a little along the way. So go grab some tea and your favorite cardigan and we'll meet you on the couch. Hey guys, well, welcome to our first episode of The Cardigan. If you are a regular selfie listener and you just wandered in and are going, where am I? You're in the right place. This is the right classroom. Um, This is Selfie Presents the Cardigan. We are doing a little bit of um, a shakeup in that we are focusing on mental health, but a couple of you have asked, are you guys still going to do the check-ins? Yes, we are. This is still going to be very much what you're used to, but I do have a a new co-host. As you know, as we announced last week, Rue is launching a reality TV show, which is wild and fun and so exciting. And it is around her work with um, raising awareness for online sexual predators. Um, So we're all looking forward to checking that out. Um, But my new co-host is with me, and I'm very excited to introduce him. He has been a guest on Selfie before, um, and so you may be familiar with him. But it is Matthias Roberts. Hey, Matthias. Hey. Oh, my gosh. I'm so excited to be here. (laughs) I'm so excited to have you here. I know our audience is going to adore you. Um, But I thought we could start with just introducing you and what you do. One of the reasons I pulled you into this is because you are also a therapist yep (laughs) yeah um you know a big mix of things i feel like my life is a a mix of things i'm Mm -hmm. I'm a therapist i have a small private practice Mm -hmm. uh where i work primarily with lgbtq people who are recovering from religious trauma so yeah you know that's that's a lot of fun (laughs) (laughs) um but also podcast i i have my own show called queerology um all about queer stuff, which is a blast and um, write, speak, teach, you know, it's just a a big mashup of things. Well, it's funny because you and I, I, you know, when I think of people who do my same job, (laughs) it's not a lot of people because just like you, I also have a small private practice. I've also written a book. I also have a podcast and it's just such a weird mix of things to be doing. And it's fun that you are another person who does all the same things I do. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good life. I'm I'm not not complaining. I know it is a good life. It's a, although I'm sure you probably sometimes feel like maybe I should just only be doing one job. 100%. 100%. And, and I always talk about it like I should get a real job as if this isn't a real job. <laughs> well, but I know what you mean, because I do sometimes I mean, the grass is always greener, right? Yep. But I do sometimes fantasize about like, what is it like to just work from eight to five, and then you're done, right? And then you're just done. <laughs> right. And have like your taxes pulled out of your paycheck. Uh-huh. <laughs> right. And not have to do things like grown up things like yep. accounting. Uh-huh. And forms, the forms. But but at the same time, I mean, I also am my own boss and I can work when I want and which also sometimes mean I work all the time. Yeah. Yep. 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 Yeah. Yeah. I'm right there with you. Yeah. Well, I thought also it would be fun to talk about how we met, but I'm laughing because I'm not 100% sure. I mean, 
what I'm sure of is that I think we met on the internet first, that, right? That feels 100% true. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't know when, but I don't know when point, either. I yeah. know I started following you at some point and yeah. we have a ton of mutual friends. Yeah. Um, and we're in similar circles in kind of a, I would say, progressive Christian space. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then I think I, I know that the first time we met in person was at Wild Goose Festival. Yes. Yes. That was like, what, three, four years ago? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Which, how do we even explain what Wild Goose Festival is to someone who's unfamiliar? I well, Here's how I try to do it for people. I, I say, like, re- remember everyone who, like, found Jesus through, like, psychedelics in the 70s. <laughs> um, they're, they've all grown up now and go to this festival in the woods. And, I mean, that's pretty much what it is, right? Like, <laughs> Yes. I have said it's like Burning Man meets church camp. Yes, yes. <laughs> But it is weird. It's, it's so weird. Very weird. It's actually not even in my wheelhouse, and yet I love it. Same. Yeah. Yeah, it's the only time of the year you'll find me, like, sweating on purpose. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, yes, because that's another aspect of it is it's out in the woods in North Carolina in the summer. Uh-huh. It's disgustingly hot. There's so many mosquitoes. And it's camping. And it rains. It invariably rains the entire time. So you're just muddy and soaking wet. And then I feel like, I wonder if you feel this way too. I feel like I have like my wild goose costume that's not my normal clothes. (laughs) 100%. Like I'm showing up trying to be boho (laughs) and trying to look effortless, but I put a lot of effort into it. (laughs) Yes. And And then I always feel like, oh, I'm rocking it in the moment. And then I go back and look at photos and I'm like, what were you thinking? Totally. (laughs) Totally. And then I'm like in the camp, in in the crappy camp bathroom, shared bathroom, (laughs) trying to like make my, my like beachy waves look like I woke up like that with a flat iron. Because I'm not like, I'm not a natural girl. I'm just not. I I own it that I'm not. Yeah, it's such a mess. I mean, this is why I always get a cabin and call it camping. But I like spend the weekend in a hot tub and take a shower. <laughs> yeah, I should. I, I do get a cabin when I go without my kids. But when I go with my kids, I can't afford it. So yep, then we yep, stay yep, on yep. site and it's so nasty. Oh, yeah. I don't know that I could do that. <laughs> But anyway, yes, that is how we met, which – and I, I feel like we're not doing it justice. It is a – Wild Goose Festival, if you are, if, if you're in a faith space, it is a very lovely, inclusive community of people. I feel like I go every year and I'm like, oh, these are my people and mm-hmm. it's – it is pretty great. Yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. There, Yeah, there's definitely a reason I keep going back. Yes. Okay, so you mentioned in your own private practice, you work quite a bit with LGBT people talking about religious trauma. (laughs) Is that like the bulk of people you see? And and then also, I'm curious about your private practice, like, how do you get clients? Yeah, yeah. So it it is the bulk of people I see. I mean, the the religious trauma stuff is a little bit more to the side, but I, I'd say primarily my caseload is, is queer folks. So yeah. I mean, whether that's working with religious religious trauma, other kinds of trauma, or you know, like anxiety, depression, yeah. <laughs> all of those things, yeah, all the same. Um, yeah, yeah, that's that's almost exclusively my work, and I, I'm really lucky that I, I just get clients through referrals like people yeah. just find me and, and I, I don't know how they find me but it's it's 
really nice. I'm glad they do. Yeah. I'm curious. Here's a loaded question and we could probably spend an entire episode on. But what what do you think drew you to be a therapist? Yeah. So, you know, it was never even on my radar. Hmm. I I didn't want to be a therapist when I was an undergrad. I studied graphic design and actually skipped my psychology classes. Like I find mm-hmm. I found a way out of them thinking like, why would I ever need this? Which looking back, designers definitely need psychology, but whatever. Um, and so it, it wasn't until I moved to Seattle to go to grad school to get a, deg- a master's degree in theology mm-hmm. that I stumbled across this world of therapy and realized it it was starting to answer and help with a lot of the big questions that I thought were more theological. Uh, and so that really pulled me over to the side of, mm-hmm. you know, there's actually a really practical way to help people through yeah. these questions. And that is through therapy. Yeah. Um, and I am so glad I, I made the choice to kind of redirect my life that way because it's been really powerful. That's cool. That's so interesting. I think I decided to be a therapist. I'm older than you, so you may not remember this show, but it was called Growing Pains. Did you ever watch that? I've heard of it. Yeah, Uh, yeah, you've heard. Okay, that's cute. (laughs) I've heard of it. My mom watched it. Um, (laughs) It was with Kirk Cameron, who um, is problematic. But at the time, I was in love with Kirk Cameron. And his dad was a therapist and he worked outside of his house, which is funny because it's a little inappropriate. Like clients would walk through the living room into his office. That's wild. But way back then when I was a little girl, I just thought like, oh, I want to do that. I love that. And then also Bob Newhart, which yes. yeah, is yeah, before yeah. my time. I, I was watching those in reruns. I'm not that old. But um, <laughs> I, I just – I loved him too, and I I always wanted to be a therapist ever mm-hmm. since I was mm-hmm. a little little girl, and I always wanted to be a blogger. Just kidding, I'd never heard of blogging when I was <laughs> young. Never thought I would land there. Yeah, what an odd job. Yes, right. Or podcasting, also had never heard of when I was in college. Yeah, I mean, can we? I mean, can we talk about Kirk Cameron for a second though? Because he was really hot. He was so hot. I yeah. was in love with him. Aha! Uh-huh. Yeah, I remember like you know like the Left Behind movies. <laughs> the Left Behind movies. <laughs> and and like that weird paradox of like oh my gosh. oh I'm gonna get left behind because I think he's hot, but like <laughs> I can't stop it. <laughs> That must have had a lot of cognitive dissonance for you. You're like, oh my gosh, I don't want to be left behind, but I'm lusting after the star of Left Behind. Right. At least oh I get gosh. to be with him. But. I completely forgot about those movies, and I feel like those deserve maybe maybe a watching party. Yes, please. That could be fun. Oh, that'd be so much fun. Yeah, let's do it. Because they were so cheesy. But oh I loved gosh. the novels when I was young, too. Me, too. Yeah, and I, me too. I mean, I just thought it was all true, and I was ready. I was ready for the rapture. <laughs> yep. Did you ever, when you were a kid, a kid, did you ever have a moment where, like, maybe somebody was missing or you didn't know who was home and you thought it happened? Oh, yeah. <laughs> the rapture all the happened? All the time. Right. Yeah. All the time. Just walk <laughs> home. No one's home. Well, oh, no. Yeah. You, like, <laughs> Jesus you kind of back. check around. Like, is yep. it – I, was I left behind? Did this happen? Was I left behind? (laughs) Oh, crap. Okay. I have a fun game for us to play as we're getting to know you. It is a game of 10 questions. 
Are we doing a youth group icebreaker right now? Sort of. Yes. <laughs> a I little bit. so dumb. Let's go. Let's go. Um, okay. First question for you, Matthias. What is your comfort movie? Uh, Confessions of a Shopaholic. What? I've never even seen this one. <laughs> I watch the movie Shopaholic. all the time, at least yearly, if not more. I, I don't know why. Like if, what if people is it? Know, Who's in it? it? It's like, I don't even know this one. Oh my gosh. What is her name? I forgot. Um... Uh, it's not going to come to me. But it's like, I, for me, I know we're going to talk about the Enneagram in a second, but it's like the perfect movie for an Enneagram 7, which is what I am. It's like this redemption story. She runs up all her credit card debt and oh my gosh. meets this beautiful man who kind of, you know, helps her get her life together and realizes she doesn't need everything. It's 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 one of my favorite movies. I love it. And it's hilarious. Oh, it's Isla um, Fisher. Yes. Yes, She's yes, yes. She's funny. Oh, it's so funny. Okay, yeah. I've never seen this one, but Go I'm watch laughing though because my comfort movie is I would say in the sh- in the same genre. Mine is Clueless. Yes. Okay. I yeah. just I don't know. It's just dumb and it's funny and also Paul Rudd. Yeah. Yes. Right. I mean, mostly I just watch the parts with Paul Rudd. <laughs> <laughs> just fast forward. Yeah. Yeah. But- <laughs> I love that our comfort movies are just dumb, sort of like teenage adjacent movies that is me all the time i just wish i could live in those years for the rest of not really but yeah well i mean i've never met a high school movie i didn't like same <laughs> like <laughs> set something in a high school and i'm in, like i'll watch high school musical today <laughs> it, even better if they're singing in a cafeteria i'm so in yes <laughs> Okay, next question. You're on a road trip and singing at the top of your lungs. What are you singing? I uh, can't be tamed by Miley Cyrus. That <laughs> okay. That's the song that first came to mind when I heard this question. <laughs> this I'm like, so okay, funny. I'm just gonna go with it. Like, is <laughs> that? It's a good one. That is it a is. solid choice. That's a solid Thank choice. You. Would that yeah. also be your karaoke choice? I don't really do karaoke, Kristen. Okay. Yeah, I. I enjoy watching people do karaoke, but that's always dangerous dangerous because you get pulled in. So You do get pulled in. Yeah. yeah. I don't love doing – I'll tell you why I don't love doing karaoke because I am a singer mm-hmm. and I have a, a rule about karaoke that no one should do it seriously. And yeah. I get mad when people are really si- – like singing for real and they want you to hear how good they sing. I get <laughs> I get angry. Yeah. I mean, that's fair. When people treat it as their, like, personal performance No, like, stage. do not get up and sing the rose. No. No, right. Like, yeah. you need to be getting up and singing something stupid and off-key, like Spice Girls. Yep. And so I, I get a lot of, like, I get weird about karaoke when people are like, Kristen, you're a singer. You should sing. And then I'm like, no, 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 no. That's yeah. not how I karaoke. No. Like, yeah. I might sing Britney badly, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to come up and belt. <laughs> for you i think that's really wise yeah that that feels that feels good it's not a talent show you guys right right all right this is this is a psychology nerd question and i'm going to preface it with i'm going to ask him about his irrational thought patterns and we are going to explain that in a future episode but what is your most common irrational thought pattern yeah so i mean this this question is so interesting to me because I, I actually work from a model where I really don't label things as irrational mm. <laughs> or irrational thoughts um so 
That, that one's a little bit harder for me to answer because I'm not super into that language. Um, but, you know, I, I often, I don't know if this would count, but, but I often, you know, will look over at Mount Rainier, which is pretty close to where, you know, I live in Seattle and, and fantasize, think about often, like, what would happen if that mountain exploded? And wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> and I think it's that wouldn't that be nice part that is more uh... concerning to me. <laughs> Wouldn't that be nice? Yeah. yeah, that's an interesting, interesting tag. Because my thought, I would definitely think, what if the mountain exploded? For sure. Sure. But then my next thought would not be, wouldn't it be nice? It would be like, all hell will break loose. And let me think of every possible scenario and how I'll deal with it. Totally. That would yep. be what I would do. Plan mm-hmm. it all out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And then I would spend my entire day thinking about that and becoming very anxious about it. <laughs> Okay. Enneagram number. What's your Enneagram number? Seven through and through. Love it. Yeah. You? I'm a three. Okay. That makes and sense. I am I am really jealous of sevens. <laughs> it sounds fun. So if people it aren't familiar, the, the Enneagram number is a personality kind of type way of looking at yourself and your motivations and your proclivities, strengths and weaknesses. And so Tell people what it means that you're a seven. Yeah. I mean, roughly, uh, like the label would be the enthusiast. Mm -hmm. I mean, Enneagram, you also kind of will talk about like what you need to avoid or what you try Mm -hmm. to avoid as a personality type. And and mine is like the need to avoid pain. So a a lot of it is what it means is like I I have a really hard time existing in like the kind of lower half of emotional life, the (laughs) sadness, anger, those kinds of things. Like I'd much rather just skip all that and and be happy. Have fun. (laughs) Right. Seven's like novelty. Yep. And new things and fun things. But I mean, I love being around sevens. I feel like I have chosen sevens um, for relationships quite a bit because as a three, I want someone to bring me into fun, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. To, for, to someone to help me stop working. So, right. So. Yeah. I mean, I also do a lot to avoid pain too. The difference is that I work to avoid pain instead of having fun, and your choice sounds better. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, it does sound way more fun. Than... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe I can switch. Maybe I can switch my Enneagram number. I believe in you. We can work on that together. <laughs> Today's sponsor is my favorite kind of company. They make great products while making the world a better place. Fazil is a company that works in collaboration with artisans in India to make gorgeous wool goods while providing fair wages for the women who make their products. The women Fazil employs create cozy handmade items like warm socks, hats, and mittens in really beautiful traditional patterns. I had a chance to talk to Vanessa, one of the founders of Fazil. She and her husband moved from Canada to India in 2015 and started working with an orphanage. They have a passion for both caring for orphans and preventing children from being orphaned in the first place. They donate a significant portion of profits to children's homes and provide sustainable jobs for hundreds of Indian women in need. Fazil believes every person has the right to dignified work and ethical wages, and as such, they are certified with the Fair Trade Federation for accountability. Their vegan blend of a Acrylic and nylon means the warmth of wool without the itch and long-lasting durability and warmth. And guys, their products are cute. 
If you're looking for some great winter wear or some gifts that give back for the holiday season that's approaching, keep Fazzle in mind. You can check out their products at shopfazzle.com. That's shopfazl.com. And use the promo code SELFIE15 for 15% off. Okay, I kind of already asked you this question, but what drew you to therapy? I mean, like, did you have a therapy experience? Did you, you know, what what made you go like, oh, I, I like this whole idea of therapy? Yeah. My first brush with therapy was like literally walking into an office and asking for conversion therapy. So, so that wasn't oh, like, like it, I mean, it was like the, I don't want to be gay anymore. Can right. you fix this? Mm-hmm. So, so that wasn't the best experience thankfully my therapist did not give me conversion therapy oh my gosh thank god (laughs) seriously that changed my life um and maybe that's the story for another time but but then you know when i got to grad school started thinking about becoming a therapist i started going to therapy and you know the first things my therapist brings this up to me all the time i've been working for with him for eight years at this point the first things I said to him were, I don't know how to cry and I don't know how to be angry. Mm. Uh, And I mean, it has been the work of many, many, many years at this point, but being able to get in touch with those parts of myself, the parts that can grieve, the parts that can be angry. I mean, it's been transformative. Mm. I love that. I love Mm. that you've been with your therapist for eight years. I, he's amazing. That's incredible. Mm. So good. Yeah. Okay, what is one thing that people would not expect about you from your online presence? Yeah. I, I'm a pretty big introvert, which, which I mm-hmm. know doesn't line up with the, the seven thing. Uh-huh. Um, and, and I don't think I put off those vibes online. I, I'm not sure. But the amount of time that I need to be home alone, not doing anything, is significant yeah and yeah and i and i don't think i necessarily project that as a personality yeah um yeah yeah what, what about you i i would honestly say the exact same thing mm. i really need a lot of alone time yeah like a lot <laughs> and i think you know when i'm online i can seem very i think a lot of people have confusion about like introversion extroversion versus shy or yeah. not shy. And I'm not shy at all. Sure. Right. Not at all. Um, but I need a lot of alone time. Yeah. 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 Very yeah. similar. Mm. All right. Next. What is what non-productive app? So not your email, not your messages. What non-productive app is most used on your phone? Yeah. I, you know, I wish I had some fun novel app to tell you all about, but it's Instagram for me. Yeah. Like I just scroll and scroll and scroll and scroll yeah, yeah. and scroll. Yep. Yeah. Mine is, I'm embarrassed to say, mine's TikTok. Yes. I love I don't TikTok. keep TikTok on my phone for that reason. I probably shouldn't. I really probably shouldn't. <laughs> yeah, I, I have it on my iPad. Yeah. And pull, like, am allowed like once a week I can pull it out. <laughs> I know. I should probably do that. It's just such a, I mean, talk about like just an immediate like mindset change, zone out. Like yep. it's it's a fun one. Oh, so good. Yeah. Okay. What is your friendship deal breaker? Yeah. For me, it's integrity. Like if, if mm-hmm. someone doesn't have integrity mm-hmm. or kind of makes choices that feel outside of, you know, in, in integrous decision, yeah. like that for me is like, I, I can't do this. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah. That's a big one for me too. I also have a hard time with flakiness. It, yeah. Like 
consistent flakiness. And I don't mean like, you know, I got to reschedule or I'm a little bit late, but just where you make plans over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That is hard for me. Yeah. Especially as a busy person and a planner. Yes. (laughs) Okay. It's nighttime. You're watching your shows. You're relaxing. What is your go-to nighttime snack? Yeah, it depends. Uh, Cheetos, Doritos, or pizza. Mm. Um, yeah, cheesy. and those are Savory. cheesy. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, I'm trying to break those habits, but those <laughs> those are the current habits. Yes. So I'm glad you said like crappy foods instead of like an avocado. Oh my gosh, I like bought these seed based crackers because I was like mm. maybe these will help. It's horrible. It's like munching on like dirt. <laughs> <laughs> okay, have you tried, speaking of Cheetos, they do have Cheetos that are like baked and they're, they don't have food dye in them. And they're okay. Okay. We eat those. Okay. In fact, I buy them on, on in bulk on Amazon. Oh, okay. I should, I should look those up. That may be. <laughs> I think they're called like Cheetos Natural and they're in like a white bag. I mean, I'm sure they're not healthy, but they feel healthier. <laughs> And they're in the individually wrapped bags, which is terrible for the environment, but good for my portion control. <laughs> yes. And that's important. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Last question. What, what is your self-care when? Like, where do you shine at self-care? Yeah. I – excuse me. I am really good at – at setting aside time for myself. Like, mm. like that is one that is not hard for me. I'm mm-hmm. really good at telling people no. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I, I I feel pretty good about that one. Yeah. Oh, that's a good one. I need – I'm not good at that one. Really not. So. <laughs> well, well, I mean, what's, what is yours? Um, where do I shine at self-care? Not a lot of places, which is why I did a podcast about self-care. That's fair. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, where do I shine? Um, I he- I keep a clean house. Mm. It's important to me. You know, it's one of those things that I, I feel better when my house is clean and I follow up with that. So um, I do keep a clean house, much to the frustration of everyone that I live with. And yeah. I make everyone else keep a clean house. That's amazing. I mean, that is truly a skill because I-, I am not good at that. <laughs> so p- props to you. Well, you know, again, I mean – it's because I I am not a nice person when the house isn't clean. <laughs> but I mean, just last night I like laid into one of my kids because she was watching TV and her room was messy, and I have a very strict clean before screen rule. Yes, and I was like, Mm-mm, the TV is not on with your room looking like this. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> I need to put like that on a recording and just play it on my phone. I mean, don't get me wrong. I don't always follow it. And I also will say, you know, this is an area of self-care where I don't shine. I tend to, my room is always the messiest. So it's like I clean the common spaces and then my desk is a mess. Yeah. 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 In fact, I'm, I mean, I actually wish I could take a picture because the desk that I'm sitting on right now to work has multiple empty cups. It's literally covered in papers, <laughs> receipts, like boxes. Yeah. yeah. It's a mess. Yeah. I, I mean, I hear you there. Mine looks very similar. So yeah. And that's, this is, you know, where I spend most of my day and I'm, I don't have this clean, but my living room looks immaculate. So. Yeah. Good. <laughs> I mean, that's a, that's a plus. That's a yes. plus. Yeah. 
All right. Should we um, should we take a listener question? Yeah, let's do it. All right. I I love that this is the first question because this is so in your wheelhouse because mm. you've li- literally written the book about sexual shame and mm-hmm. someone is asking a question about sex talks with our kids. So someone said, can you recommend a book by doctors about age-appropriate sex talks? I'm a single mom with an eight-year-old that I would like to raise in a sex-positive home. I don't know when it's age-appropriate for her to know that I have sex. When we shift from here's how babies are made to here's how you might know you're ready for sex, etc. I was just not raised in that type of household at all. We've got babies and periods covered, but I need support for the coming years. Mm-hmm. It, it's such a good question. And I feel like such an honest question. I, I, yeah. I, I mean, I'm not a parent, but I have so many friends who are parents who are asking these same questions of like, how do we undo some of what we were raised with? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um. Uh, my go-to book for this, I'm curious about your your go-to books, but it's actually a newer book by Dr. Tina Schimmer-Sellers. Uh, it's called Shameless Parenting. Uh, it, she's a sex therapist. She's been in you know the, the kind of sexuality education world for her entire career. Uh, and she wrote this book, and it literally goes age by age, you know, from like infancy through, you know, college. How do you as a parent mm-hmm. work with this, have these conversations, what's appropriate, what's not appropriate. It, it's an incredible resource. I love that. And I haven't read that book, so I need to find that one. It's so good. Okay. The books that I was going to recommend are not, she was asking for, for books for herself and you gave a good one, but I was going to recommend a series of books to talk through your kids with. Mm. And it's from, it's called the family library. And there's three books. The first one is it's not the stork. And this one is for younger kids, probably, you know, age three to six. It talks about bodies, babies, where babies come from, and they're illustrated. And then there's a second one um, that goes a little more in detail about sex. And that one's called It's So Amazing. And then the last one is called It's Perfectly Normal, Changing Bodies, Growing Up, Sex, Gender, and Sexual Health. Mm. And that one's more for teenagers. So it, you know, it really goes into more detail on sex, gender identity, um, masturbation, you know, safe sex, all that kind of stuff. But they're really good books. They're they're illustrated. Um, they're a little cartoonish, but they're, they're really informative and a really good place for starting the conversation. Because I think for a lot of parents, like, jumping in is difficult. But if you have a book that you can give them, you know, hey, read this on your own, then let's read it together. Mm-hmm. Um, let me know what questions you have. I think that that's for me has been a really helpful place to start. We had these books in the house and I would, you know, I'd find my kids reading them, (laughs) especially, you know, the naked body illustrations. (laughs) 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 And it's really great because these books, you know, they have illustrations. And so they have, there's a page of like, here's what a man's body looks like through the ages. And so it, you know, it just shows the normal progression of like what a man's entire body looks like as he ages. And same for women. Mm. Um, it's very inclusive, um, all bodies, all families. Um, but I really like that one. But I also think I, I, I've said this before on this podcast, the sex talk just needs to be an ongoing conversation, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, right. Just right. all the time. <laughs> like, yeah. 
it can't be a talk. It's got to be a conversation. I mean, I was just watching with my youngest, who's 12, we were watching a show called The Wilds, Mm -hmm. and a 16-year-old had sex for the first time. And, you know, I paused the show and I'm like, hey, that wasn't super realistic because the first time it'll probably really hurt. Yeah, right. And she's like, oh my gosh, shut up. (laughs) Shut up. And I'm like, okay, but you just need to know that what you're seeing on TV, like the first time probably won't last very long and it'll hurt really bad. Probably. Maybe not, but it'll probably hurt, you know? It's true. Yeah. But I am that mom. And I'm also the mom who pauses and says, okay, there's no way that happened because where did they clean it up? Like, (laughs) is it, is it? They just had sex and now they're walking around. Like, <laughs> right? <laughs> I'm that mom. I, oh, I love fun. it. I, I, you know, I, it makes me think of the like. I, I don't know that this is exclusive to Dr. Tina, but Dr. Tina kind of has this this concept of like ten thousand tiny conversations. Like, yes. uh, how do you have these like one minute, yes. thirty second conversations where it's uh-huh. just part of life instead of this big sit down? Let me tell you about sex where everyone feels awkward and you, know, you kind of rush through it and never talk about it again. Like, not the best way to do it. Mm. I think I want to address, though, she did ask one specific question, which is, I don't know when it's age appropriate for my child Mm -hmm. to know that I have sex. Yeah. And that one I think is kid dependent, but it's it's when they want to know. Mm -hmm. Don't you think? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. That that feels really wise to kind of follow your kids promptings yeah. <laughs> and, and to just be honest like you may not have to share everything about your sex life but i mean it is a part of life and, and i don't think it's inappropriate for kids to know in some ways kind of what is real and 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 not avoid it you know i think that so much shame can be built when we avoid these conversations. Like this is something we can't talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, when mm-hmm. we're able to talk about it, it, it naturally dissipates some of that shame. Yeah, I completely agree. And and when we talk about it casually, and right. you know, I think there's a lot of fake it till you make it in these conversations too. Honestly, mm-hmm. because I think for a lot of parents. You know, it just, it raises their own shame. They feel their neck getting prickly. They feel, you know, the heat rising. Um, And just to to do it until it feels comfortable with your own kids, I think is important, you know, like pushing past, like monitoring your body and like trying to stay calm, you know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) practice Mm -hmm. in the mirror. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, gosh. Um, But yeah, it's, I, I, I think that these conversations, rather than being something to feel anxious about, I, I think they can be really fun and bonding with your kids too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and and an opportunity for us to, like, I think, as you're saying, like to work through our own shame yeah. too, and and to recognize, oh, these are still places where I have shame. Yeah, and, and you know, we can work with those in, in those moments yeah. too, which is really important. Absolutely. And it's a work in progress. I mean, I still I still don't have it figured out. Like I'm I'm at that stage as a parent where I'm like, okay, I don't really want my teenagers having sex because I think they're too young. You know, I I don't think they're emotionally ready, Mm -hmm. but I need to provide birth control. So how do I give out how do I dispense the birth control without dispensing like go for it? (laughs) Yeah. Oh yeah. You know, it's tricky. Uh It's really tricky. 
Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, do I just kind of like casually drop the condoms and be like, I mean, don't use these, but here's where they are. <laughs> <laughs> you shouldn't have sex, but in case they're in this drawer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad I don't have to think about this right now. <laughs> I know. We use the term the delay sex a lot. Mm, and mm. that is how I'm trying to present it. Like, hey, I want you to have an amazing sex life when you're an adult. But I feel like if you start too early <laughs> when you're not or if you're not ready, that may not lead to the best sex when you're yeah. a grown up. So we talk yeah. about that. That's that's the framing is mm-hmm. we're trying to get to great grown up sex. Yeah. 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 And they, I like they that. love, they really love me talking about that with them. Oh, I'm really sure. Just, yeah, I'm sure they're thrilled about it. They really love it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. We are going to talk about psychology and pop culture. Yeah. Um, this is a segment that we're going to do that I'm, I think is fun and a nice little, it's like the marriage of my interests. Yes. Same. <laughs> I'm so <laughs> my excited. My Venn diagram of loving pop culture and loving psychology together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like you and I could have maybe done an entire just recap weekly of Bachelor in Paradise and the yes. personality disorders that emerged. <laughs> We're going to have to like start a whole separate podcast. I know. I know. <laughs> um, but I wanted to talk this week. I just finished the show Made on Netflix. Mm. And it was, I have to say, such an interesting and true portrayal of emotional domestic violence Mm -hmm. so which is a very and i have to admit even watching it for me i feel like i learned a lot like i Mm -hmm. think we think of domestic violence obviously as someone's hitting someone someone's you know physically harming someone but this show really talked about what that looks like when it's intimidation when it's you know close to physical harm but not quite there but there's the threat of it Mm -hmm. um control um you know not allowing someone maybe to have a car or maybe to have a job um and it was just it was such an interesting portrayal of domestic violence without someone being hit yeah Mm -hmm. but also how that really isn't that's really downplayed even by professionals right right yeah, I mean, I, I haven't, I haven't seen it yet. I've seen so many people talking about it. It's on my watch list, but, but I think that's such an important point. Like, I, I think we can get so concrete about this idea of domestic violence is only physical harm, and if you're yeah. not being harmed physically, then why are you so worried about this? Like, it's not that big of a deal mm-hmm. when it really is a big deal and and to the point of where i mean it can create like a a prison in in a similar way to physical harm um or even more so than physical harm depending on the situation it it can be devastating yeah so hard to get out of absolutely absolutely and it's you know i mean in the show it's like she had to do all of the same things that someone who had been experiencing, you know, physical abuse had to do. She had to create the escape plan. She -hmm. had to go to a shelter. She, and I don't want to give too much away, but I mean, very much the same timeline, the same issues as someone who was experiencing physical domestic violence. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I cannot recommend the show enough. I thought it created a lot of empathy for DV, but it also, I mean, really created a lot of empathy around poverty and how Mm -hmm. difficult it is to get out of poverty. Yeah. 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 
especially for mothers, you know? Mm -hmm. Right. Um, Yeah. yeah, It's a fantastic show. I'm excited for you to watch it. And they did a really good job. Um, She experienced depression during parts Mm -hmm. of it too. They did a really good job of kind of like showing her inner monologue in a, Mm -hmm. in a show, you know, Mm because it was a Mm -hmm. memoir first and they did a really creative job of showing what she was thinking and experiencing. Ugh, I can't. I cannot wait to watch it. Yeah, I've it's, heard a, such it's a really good, good one. Hmm. It's a really good hmm. one. All right, that is it for this week. Join us next week. Next week we are going to be taking more listener questions. We're going to be doing a mental health check in, and we are going to be asking the question: Why is Squid Game so popular? Mm-hmm. Hey, thanks for listening. Just a heads up: We're therapists, but we're not your therapists. This podcast is not a substitute for therapy, and by making it, we're not rendering psychological or other professional services. If you need therapy, we recommend you track down someone to help. Join us online for more of the conversation in our Selfie Community Facebook group or on Instagram at at Selfie Podcast. 